0: You know Natalie, who works here?
1: The chubby girl.
0: Ooh, what do we call her chubby?
1: I think there's a pretty sizable ass there, yes, sir. Huge thighs.
0: Yeah. But well, whatever. I feel
1: it in my fingers I feel it in my toes Christmas is all over.
0: Welcome to the podcast, What is Love Actually? I'm Beth Amon.
2: And I'm Patrick Flynn.
0: And this is the podcast where we try to understand the 2003 Christmas romantic comedy, Love Actually.
2: By taking it apart. And
0: putting it back together again.
2: And this episode, we are joined by uh, two of our favorite people, I think, collectively. But I'm not going to tell you which one is my favorite and which one is Beth's. It is Tracy Lynn (laughs) Oliveira and Evan Casey, everybody. Hello. Hello. Here we are. (laughs)
0: Way to just like set it off uh, adversarially. <laughs> I, like, I like to
2: pit people against each other. It's kind yeah. of my thing. Put our um, two
0: guests who are stuck in a room together against each other where you and I live safely away <laughs> to watch yeah. the madness unfold.
3: We've basically been against each other for 11 years. I was so going to say, this is.
2: Say, this is... <laughs> if, you know, adversarial is a, is a good setting for, for some people. So I, I, quick backstory, like. A decade ago, maybe more, Tracy, Mm -hmm. you made some comment on Facebook, or maybe it was on Twitter, was a reference to this section of this movie, and I noticed it and commented on it, and you kudos me for catching the reference, the would we call her chubby reference. And since then, I have associated this section of this movie with you <laughs> entirely. So what? you are my, like, definitely have to have Tracy on to talk about this section. Of the Thank movie.
4: you. <laughs> Thank you. It's my favorite section of the movie, actually. All
2: right. Well, good.
4: Well,
0: I think also you may have um, inspired this whole podcast if Patrick has hung on to that comment for 10 mm-hmm. years. I am. Tracy, I think we possible. owe this all to you. I'll take it. I'm an idea man.
2: And we like to start our episodes, and we'll start, I guess, with Tracy, because we've already kind of started with this, with what is your history with this movie?
4: Um, well, uh, when did it come out? 2003, you said? 2003, yeah. I am positive I stayed with my ex an extra six months because we saw this in the theater. Wow. And what? got all... And got all like nostalgic. You know what I mean? Like we were like, oh, we really do love each other. That's not really a
3: ringing endorsement of the film.
4: <laughs> I honestly think it is. <laughs> like he is the worst person ever. I will not mention his name, but um, yeah, just a real, real delight of a human. However, I think sure. I do think it had something to do with it because it made me feel so warm and fuzzy that I was like, oh, we we really do love each other. Oh my gosh. But, I was able to separate that from my love for the film. (laughs) Um, Evan and I sort of bonded over the fact that we both love the movie and it's become like one of our Christmas things that we watch.
2: Yep. (gasps) All right. And
3: so when did you first see it, Evan? I honestly don't, uh, maybe the first time was then with you. I don't remember the first time I saw it. I don't think that I was, I, I think when it, when I, when I first saw it, I don't think it was one of those movies that I was like, yeah, this one's for me a film titled Love Actually with lots of right. lots of hearts and Christmas coloring all around. That's up my alley. Right. Um, but, uh, but I saw it and I I, I did love it. I, and I loved it for any number of reasons that, that we have a podcast for. Right. Um, but, <laughs> but I think that like, um, but now it has become a part of our Christmas. I mean, we have so many Christmas movies that we love year. that it's hard to like sort of get them all lined up come the Christmas season, especially, you know, once you have kids and jobs and a million other things, but it's definitely in the rotation of like 10, we really want to see every Christmas season.
2: What else is in your Christmas rotation? Uh,
3: Bad Santa, Santa, National Christmas Vacation. It's a wonderful life. Um, Lately, we've
4: been really into crappy, crappy Hallmark Christmas movies, Christmas Prince, Christmas Royal Baby. like. They're awful. And we love them. Um,
0: <laughs> Christmas Prince. Javier Del Pilar made a drinking game to Christmas Prince. And I it is you to send me. The- I am <laughs> going to send that to you because it makes Christmas Prince already is a beautiful train wreck and adding a very well crafted drink, drinking game to it makes it the best thing I've ever done. When
4: you want to have a podcast that is about the Christmas Prince uh, we will come on it. I would like to do that very much. Oh,
3: also, Pat, uh, if you ever want to break down for the Musicals podcast, um, Scrooge, if you haven't already, like I'm, I'm big on the Albert Finney Scrooge. The Albert Finney Scrooge was that, that was yeah. huge in mm-hmm. my family and has and has been for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's a quality one. That's a high quality
2: one. The Albert Finney Scrooge. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Did you guys watch the holiday by any chance every Christmas? Because that movie's come
3: up a lot. No, this podcast. is it the same? Is it the same director or no? No, that's a Nancy know, Myers that, joint, right? People
0: mix it up for this constantly. Like our first episode, we talked with um, Josh Simon and Solomon Parker, and Solomon was straight up convinced the whole time that we were talking about the holiday until we right. sat down and watched the movie with him, and we were worried that like yeah, we thought he he'd seen mixed it, before. it up so badly that he had actually seen Love Actually and just didn't know it. Was that is it. That, is right. that the one with Jack Black? Yeah, mm-hmm. Jack I've Black and
2: Jude Law. Kate Winslet. Kate uh-huh. Winslet and uh, yeah. Diaz. there we go. Yeah, I'd
0: give it a shot. I think it's a delight. Apparently, it gets some hate, but
2: well, it's not very good, but it is pretty funny.
0: But that doesn't make it not a
3: delight,
2: right? No, true. Right, it's you know, it's a Nancy Myers joint. Everybody's got really big kitchens and flowy. Does Nancy joints, Myers you know?
3: have joints? She
2: does. <laughs> she she does exclusively joint joints.
0: Well it's not a Nancy Myers joint, but it's a Richard Curtis joint. Oh, that is something I did
2: want to ask you. Uh what did you have any experience with Richard Curtis before seeing this? You did
3: four weddings and a funeral, right? He sure did. Yeah.
4: Oh, I like that. I movie. saw that.
3: I like that, but I saw that too young to really appreciate it. I think yeah, I when did that col- come out? I
4: saw it in college. Mm-hmm. That
3: came out in
0: ninety-four.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, I was I was not I saw it right around when it came out. So I was like thirteen or mm-hmm. so I, I could not fully appreciate what he was going for there. Um, you know, because I was not a part of many weddings or funerals or at funerals
2: there. at that point. Yeah. Um.
3: I uh, saw that one. What else has he done?
2: Uh, Blackadder, Vicar um, of Dibley, uh, the movies, the big movies are for weddings, Notting Hill, and Bridget Jones' oh, Notting
0: Hill. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had a more recent yesterday. Uh,
2: yeah, the Beatles movie oh, that was that, just out. Was that good? I actually wanted to see that. Was that good? I uh, didn't see it.
0: You didn't watch it. You boycotted it. I watched I it. It was fine. Um, it. I I have certain feelings about Richard Curtis that are not yes, kind, Um <laughs> based on having watched too many of his movies now. But like, it's a delightful little movie. But just don't think too hard about it.
1: Right. And, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. and there's sure. really
0: there's great music. It's heartwarming. Well, it's,
2: I was going to say it better have okay. great music if it's Beatles. Yeah, it, it is. is. <laughs>
0: I mean, like great versions of the Beatles songs.
2: Ironically, right. the music terrible. We don't quite know how, <laughs> the, how, the, how
0: music sucks. Right. the music sucked. Get out of here! Music was absolutely awful uh
2: but so we're yeah so we're we're here in full Richard Curtis splendor, though, for this segment, because this is the Hugh Grant segment mm-hmm. of the movie. This is the fourth collaboration between Richard Curtis and Hugh Grant um he goes from whatever his character does in four weddings and funeral. I don't think we ever find out to bookstore owner to publisher to prime minister. he really, really climbs is, the really ladder. That's really climbing the ladder, yeah really climbs the ladder and um. I think what Richard Curtis does for Hugh Grant in a great like writer actor combination is he really understands why Hugh Grant is charming and why Hugh Grant is funny and writes him <laughs> some really good stuff. But this movie especially really leans into the fact that we like Hugh Grant. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Right, right from the jump.
4: Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm not going to lie. I have I'm <laughs> not ashamed of my complete, I am a sucker for the wounded puppy Charmer that is Hugh Grant. I love him.
0: But you see him, you see him kind of be like that funny, charismatic, floppy-haired, silly man when he's saying things like, "Who do you got to screw? You got a biscuit around here?" And like the second he walks into his office and shuts the door and goes like, "Ah, bugger!" Like this is gonna be bad. And I
3: think that's also part of the point is like he's he is technically speaking the alpha in any room given his title and job, but. He can't manage to, you know, maneuver around what he what he wants mm-hmm. with the relationship. Should
0: we summarize?
2: Yes, we should summarize. We should start by summarizing. That's a good point. Could you guys, uh, as briefly as possible, summarize this segment of the movie? Maybe taking okay. one. Each of you takes one word. I don't know how you guys like to. You sure. Can, we'll
0: uh, sentence by or seven. try and yeah. say the same words at
3: the That's same time. Right. <laughs> well, you want? You want to start?
0: Hugh Grant is
4: the Prime Minister.
3: Oh, that was of easy. England. Yeah. Yes, well done.
4: Important. It's, important? it's
3: important. We've got who and where. All right. Right <laughs>
4: On his first day.
3: <laughs> on his first day, he meets, he meets his, his staff. household staff. Among the staff is one particularly charming. Cute as hell. Lady who he clearly ha- uh, takes a shine to. It is
4: also her first day.
3: There's also first And she routine. is also befuddled.
4: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. He, uh, he takes a shine to because of, because yes, she's beautiful, but also because of her uh, ability to Im- uh be completely uh carefree in her style and mannerisms uh despite the fact that she um, uh despite uh, or rather like even against her own best intentions like sometimes she's fighting against it if you will like mm-hmm. she, put, swears she, she, puts her, she swears by accident puts swears by accident puts her foot in her mouth um, make, so- makes gauche uh, uh, uh you know comments from time to time he loves her right
4: the American president comes mm-hmm. and mm. he basically like the American president hits on her, Hugh grants it's the catalyst for him to sort of ball up um for England pretty much, and he does a really spectacular um public tell off of america which
3: right which was
4: is, is very satisfying to watch and um but then although he realizes, potentially
3: quite politically dangerous but we'll right, get to that later but then he realizes yes.
4: that he's like allowed his emotions to sort of get the best of him like his jealousy and so he has her transferred
3: he has her transferred yeah. uh to like a different department a different state job or something like that um and then Weeks go by and he misses her and she sends him a Christmas, she sends him a Christmas card. card and he reads it and, and he has this, oh, what a fool I've been moment. And he asks for a car and then he goes to find where she lives. It doesn't know exactly where she lives. So he goes up and down her street. And eventually he finds her house at the end of a long street. And then they, um, they
4: end up all in a car together with all her whole family because they, she has to go see her cousin, brother, cousin, brother. It's her,
3: it's her brother. Daddy. It's Some her brother, right? I think-
4: Christmas I've, concert. Right. He's dressed as an octopus.
3: Right, dressed yes, as an octopus. The
4: Christmas octopus. And,
3: and they, they- go to the concert- I feel like we're throwing in a lot of details- I was gonna say. not <laughs> certain to summary. This has gone like off the octopus. rails as a summary. Well, it
2: is like, it is the, the second longest part of the movie. Yeah, I, the octopus- It really, all, name,
3: it really yeah. all began when I was trying to describe how charming she was. That was you, I'm um, putting that on you. But anyway, <laughs> so they- You opened
2: a gate. You opened a gate, you did.
3: Well, because I, I find her so delightful myself. But anyway, so then yes, they go to uh, this. They go to the the school pageant play. They basically
4: end up backstage. He declares right. his love for her. They kiss. Curtain goes up. Everyone sees them. They wave. They end up.
3: And they end up together, and they all live happily ever after. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. There we go. That's it. It is we were, my favorite part. of that We were movie. at a disadvantage because we were trading off. Yes. Yeah, our summary. You were were did we did. Pre- <laughs> You were trying to.
0: Uh, It was was a thorough summary.
2: This does feature one of the iconic moments in the movie. When you talk about love, actually, like we've talked about Laura Linney's happy dance and um, a couple other things that are like trailer moments that everybody knows. But one thing that everyone knows is this is the movie where Hugh Grant dances around Mm -hmm, uh, number 10 Downing Street uh, and it does his like fun dance up and down the stairs, even though he gets out of range of that
0: music. Yeah, you can't hear that from- Very oh, yeah. quickly.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we- it is. I mean, although, I mean, isn't it possible that he's the prime minister, they have speakers in every so, room? I mean, couldn't they have yeah. done yeah. that? Speakers, but
2: except he, he gets into the room where the housekeeper or the staff member is and he turns mm-hmm. around and the music is gone. Immediately cuts off- When correct. he says yeah. his line, yeah.
0: Yeah, Um, Mary, I've been thinking, can we move the Japanese ambassador to four o'clock tomorrow? Certainly, sir. Terrific, thanks so much. Very loud in his mind. It was in his mind, yeah.
2: (laughs) You said something, I think Tracy, um, that I wanna drill down on for a second, which is the one thing about this story that I have never fully understood The first time I saw the movie, I kind of understood it. But I I think when you drill down on this segment, this this one segment, it makes less sense. And that is why he transfers her out of, off of his main staff.
4: I have always thought it's because she makes him lose his head. Like, the catalyst for him to tell off the Americans is seeing Billy Bob Thornton hit on her. And I think... I've always thought it was him saying like, I get too emotional. I don't, I make rash decisions because of this woman. Mm. Mm. I don't want to fire her. She hasn't done anything wrong. I'm going to transfer her out because I can't handle myself around her. Mm. And I think he, and I also assumed that he thought like, this is like, I shouldn't, I also shouldn't be in love with my staff member, so I'm gonna get her right on out. Yeah, I that's mean, what I I, I think
3: uh, that's. I mean, I haven't quite. I don't think I, I put that that fine of a of a point. Oh, to I've it, thought about but, this a lot. But I think that, like, I I do think it's a it's a matter of of, of avoiding obviously of avoiding a potential conflict rather than confronting it. It's 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 mm-hmm. seeing that like, I think yes to sort of what you said about, but I think also it's. Um, I mean, I doubt that they. Ever discussed that moment beyond when that happened? If they even if they even talked at all after it happened, so I think it was the sort of that moment of like, this is uncomfortable for all involved, and rather than dealing with the situation the and dealing thing. with my feelings, the easiest thing to do is just remove her from the situation.
0: Yeah, because I, I can't remove myself. Right. Yeah. I always took it as like a self protective measure that like yeah, yeah, yeah. It that's what I thought, it too. wasn't necessarily like Tracy. I think that's a really interesting point of view that he loses control around her, but I always took it as him being like, I have to nip this in the bud now before mm-hmm. we get something that will either get her in trouble, me in trouble, or like you said, have him kind of lose his power in a situation because he's too busy thinking about like, Oh, I think like right. Natalie's cute. And like someone's trying to bomb England. Right. Which mm-hmm. is a very dramatic scenario. But <laughs> very dramatic. I was, you, you really went there. I did. We have to raise the stakes. We do
2: constantly. Uh, I have to say that that is not how I feel at any of those about like, it feels to me mainly because of the fact that she apologizes later for what happens with Billy Bob Thornton um, and says that nothing happened and all that sort of thing. I, I always felt like he kicked her off the staff because he was mad she did something with the president. Like it was a jealousy thing. And I don't think that's what the movie wants me to think, but that's because of the the way this narrative is all fractured, that's just how it feels to me.
4: The apology to me feels like
0: just something women do. Well, here's what she said, and I picked Picked up up on it in a way I I never have before watching this 800 times. Right. But
1: she says, Look, I'm so sorry about that day. I mean, I came into the room and he sinked towards me and there was a fire and he's the president of the United States and nothing happened. I promise.
0: Which to me insinuates not like I was in an uncomfortable position where I was forced to do it, but instead I was wooed by this moment mm-hmm. and I've never picked up on that before. And then found myself being like angry at her.
3: For like, uh, sorry. Wasn't there, wasn't there literally a fire? There was. A fire in yeah. the fireplace? Yeah,
0: yeah, but like that, they'd be like, it's, it's a it's
2: romantic. Yeah, I think her saying that it's romantic, the atmosphere is romantic. Not like yeah.
0: there was fire between us, but no, like-
3: No, 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 yeah. I get what you're saying. I I think I just, I mean, I get that, that is true, but I think I just feel like- uh,
4: That still doesn't make me mad at her though. I don't,
3: like, I don't, I don't feel, I still don't read it as being wooed. I read it as being, um, or rather that- Over. Or rather that it was- um, reciprocated. I, I feel it as being coerced.
0: Yeah, I do too. I definitely think there's a part of watching this movie so many times that now it makes me dig into everything with like a very fine tooth comb. But I always had before watching it, like this time had walked away thinking like, she had no power in this situation she had to kind of do what she had to do to like tolerate it, to let this kind of go because he's a man in power and she's a woman put in an uncomfortable situation. And so hearing that line differently this time, I was like, wait a second. I don't like like that writing. At the risk of getting like,
4: you know, too into it. Like why can't she enjoy it? You know what I mean? Like, why do we have to be mad at her if she was, like, I kissed the president of the United States?
0: Well, because the way it's presented in the Hugh Grant and, like, Natalie storyline is that she is supposed to be apologetic for this. Like, it's presented as, like, something something bad happened and either you're the victim in it or, like, you don't love me as much as you say you love me. Like, I feel like we're setting that up with the, the dynamic between Hugh Grant and Natalie. Because
2: the, the other half of this <laughs> whole of thing not. to me that, like, that feeds into this is her face during the press conference because she looks horribly embarrassed
3: right during right. the whole press conference as well, he's like ramping knows. up and right. like I mean he's also yeah. she knows it's he's up also he's also her. obviously referencing right. her in the press conference and that would be uncomfortable for anyone when he's speaking to the entire nation but I think right. that like, and I, also, like I, I, do, she... I do think though that it's to me there there are two there are two things to me that I read that I think are, are a little bit different than the way other people have commented on it thus far which is number one like she, as far as I remember having seen it, like she doesn't, she doesn't kiss him. Like he, right. he, he walks, Hugh Grant walks in in a moment where the president is,
1: like uh, in where Billy Valthorne is, is
3: in her business and like whispering in her ear yeah. and brushing her hair back. But they're, they're not like in some sort of, yeah. you know, yeah. embrace.
2: The grande room. delecto. Yeah, right. totally.
3: And the second thing is like, and I know that technically speaking, she leaves the room and Billy Valthorne's the only one left. But like, if you track Hugh Grant, like he's, He watches, he watches her leave and then he lingers on him. Like he's Mm -hmm. not, to me, I read it as you, you fucking asshole. Totally. Why did you fucking do this?
4: And I always thought like her apology also comes out of like, you know, she got transferred because of it. She probably feels like she did something wrong.
0: Yeah. You know, like.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah. It's a weird, it's, I mean, it's also, it's impossible to talk about this moment without, talking about the way billy bob thornton is written in this movie mm-hmm. which is as a combination of bill clinton and george w bush he's right. like both of those two presidents slammed together he's got the texas uh you know thing for and and sort of a jerk thing for the george w bush but this also like rampant omnisexuality right that is right. like is literally occupied the second term of Bill Clinton's administration. When he says, "Wait a minute,
3: how's
0: your day so far?"
3: <laughs> Excellent. Like she, there's no response <laughs> so from nice. her. It's such easy politicianness. <laughs> I also it's amazing. Like, oh yeah,
4: Billy Bob Thornton really attractive. Oh, he's amazing. So like I,
3: do you
2: really find him uh, really attractive?
3: Oh wow. Yes. Well, he's so t- I think well it's a talent thing, don't you think a little bit? He's also hot. Okay, yeah, see, this, this is yeah.
4: <laughs> I'm sorry. He's he's a hot I think he's a hot old man. Like, that is funny. Even without his talent, like I would he could get it. He definitely
0: has. He certainly has.
4: <laughs> you add the, add the Thorne talent Thorne and we're, we're good it. to go. <laughs>
0: That's great. That's a great pull quote. Crazy, I like, yeah, like want to support Jordan. you on this endeavor, but I can't say I've ever had yeah, those thoughts. I, but I, I know I can. I, can, I, can see I, um,
2: I mean, you're clearly not alone. You know, I'm like it's, wolf on this one. it's. It's it's a little, you know, Angelina Jolie and and others have found him. Also, like, I'm not going to wear blood
0: in a vial around. That's my head. the thing. I think that's like the first thing I ever knew about him, and I was like, nope, nope.
2: <laughs> No. <laughs> I guess it's really hard for me to judge how attractive he is because my first experience with Billy Bob Thornton was Sling Blade. Sling Blade yeah, 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 which is a remarkable movie, and he's remarkable yeah. in it. But it is like he's doing this extreme character and pulling this extreme face, and like he's always kind of Carl in, Bill- in Slingblade to me. See, like I think the first so, thing
4: I saw him in was
3: Monsters oh. Ball.
2: And like I've heard that and Bad Santa are like the two
3: He's like, amazing in Bad Santa I Billy I Bell Santa, Thornton yeah. movies. And he's a ama- m he is amazing in the first season of Fargo.
0: Yeah. Mm. I just mm-hmm. had to Google Sling Blade I did not know what we were talking about. Have you ever seen Sling Blade? Beth? Patrick, oh. there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. I thought we figured this out by now in our friend, Oh,
2: Slingblade is so good.
0: Um I'm this is a look.
2: That's a tough movie. Oh this, yeah.
0: This is Oh a- yeah.
2: Oh yeah. And um, I've
4: all the way through.
2: If you do, after we're done here, go on YouTube and look up a clip to hear the voice he's doing with that look. Yeah. And oh, yeah, you will, crazy. you will be forever changed. It is a like remarkably. <laughs> do weird... I want to be
0: forever changed? Yes,
2: you do. You do. Okay. I mean, it's it's really good. <sighs> It is impossible to discuss the the character without divorcing it from the time period because like 9-11 references in the prologue, notwithstanding, this movie is firmly in 2003 mm-hmm. and like the world is in a firm place. And also like there's a certain amount of Tony Blair in Hugh Grant, at least for, right. I think, an American audience, not in, in the fact like, Tony Blair was married. He had choked, like he was, he wasn't a single uh, prime minister, but he like there's a certain youthful energy to.
4: He was like the young hot one.
2: Yeah, and the new day in Britain after like years of Margaret Thatcher and and right. what came after that. Um, and Hugh Grant like that character is definitely evoking that. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and Martin McCutcheon looks exactly like Monica Lewinsky.
2: She does look a little bit like Monica Lewinsky. A little bit. I, yeah, wow. and I, I think I, it's
0: uncanny. I think it's very. You Think similar. it's uncanny. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Would we? Call I don't know. Him? Would we call her?
0: Would, would, we, we call we, him? would we call her Lewinsky? I don't know if you could have sat in that casting room and said, like, knew you were going to cast Billy Bob Thornton and knew you're going to cast mm. Martina Kusserow and looked at that and said, yeah, no, there's no parallel here. Like, because when I say, yeah, it the- certainly and would have I, to be. I, never I, mind, never, yeah. I no, never, I never thought
3: connect, that. No, I never connect. I can never
2: connect uh. with those either.
3: Oh wow! I may have at the time.
2: I don't. I could I. I don't remember. But I mean, I, maybe you're not wrong
3: because maybe it's because. I mean, I've never. i never actually heard Monica Lewinsky speak. But like, uh, but m- her. I don't know if that's. She Mart- does a
4: really amazing TED talk. I, I don't know if that's Martin yeah, McCutcheon's.
3: I don't know if that's Martine McCutcheon's actual accent or if she but but her her characterization is so very british that like mm-hmm. i've never you know i mean it, that's a very specific kind of person you experience in only in england and so yeah. i which is you know which is kind of silly to say considering obviously every almost everyone in the movie is british but it's, it's british, like right? but but that's a it's a very it's a it's like it's a british, british archetype yeah. you know what i mean of a kind mm-hmm. of person like she came from east enders right didn't yes. she that is yeah. i
2: believe and i believe that is her accent i believe that is yeah just how she speaks yeah
3: anyway yeah. so, so it's it, it, when when you see to me when you see someone like that that seems so authentically of a particular kind of culture like mm-hmm. there there are not as many um, uh, many reference points where you can be like oh it's like this person that's an, also an American I don't know I just didn't connect yeah. I
0: mm-hmm. think maybe for me it's more the point in life that I had seen this movie and the point in time that like the Monica Lewinsky Bill Clinton affair happened like that was my only kind of touch point for like a president having bad behavior with a young woman. And so for me, it was like, this is a very easy one-to-one comparison because I had yet to know about other, yet
2: to learn about Warren G. Harding and
0: yeah, you know, other scandals in life.
2: The
3: Teapot Dome scandal. Right. (laughs) Well, you gotta listen, don't Am I the, the first person it. to reference that on the podcast? Can this
4: you episode the, actually be called the Teapot, teapot Don't Scandal?
2: scandal?
3: Yes. You might be the first person
2: to reference that on any podcast, not specifically about the teapot don't scandal. Right. I'm sure but, Ezra
3: Klein has mentioned
1: it at some oh, point.
2: Oh absolutely. And Matt and Glacius, yeah, they've absolutely mentioned it just in passing. But this isn't, you know, this isn't Pod Save America. We are we are here mm-hmm. to talk about <laughs>
0: yeah. We're here to talk about love, talk about, actually.
2: And Warren G. Harding. Um
0: Together. Together.
2: You totally just forgot what I was Everything about say. that
0: is terrible. <laughs>
2: <laughs> It'd be the worst movie of, of absolutely all sure. or
0: the best,
2: or it could be the best.
0: Who's to say? We won't know until it's done, and we've sunk all of our money into it.
2: But another yeah. thing that this segment of the movie has in common with many, many other segments of the movie is it is about a a man falling in love with in quotation marks, and that's mainly for the Colin first section also. Okay. Um, falling in love with a woman in a that posi- who he is in a position of authority over mm-hmm. um, and that sort of general fantasy, uh, you know, male fantasy that this movie sort of in- encapsulates in a lot of different ways. And I have to say that I, maybe it's because we just did the the Colin First section that this time it bothered me less <laughs> than, than the well. they, uh, other times.
0: I think it bothered you less because it bothered me less in the same way and it's because they both speak English. It's never mm. bothered me. That's true. It only bothers you when you watch it in a silo.
2: Yeah. It, it, but, but so it never bothered you, bother- yeah, Tracy? I mean, I guess
0: bothered? it has never
4: bothered me and I think part of it is that like, I think a lot of women, particularly my age-ish, have had like a, like a a pretty woman fantasy, a Cinderella fantasy you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Where like you are in a position, someone in a position of authority comes and takes you away. Not saying that's a, that's a good 2020 fantasy, Mm -hmm. but to me, it's always been kind of, I don't know. Maybe I look at it through, through a a different lens, but I've always, I've never found it to be.
3: Well, I think for me, um, I mean the, the 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 time in which he you know uh, uh, chooses to, as he says, redistribute her. um right. Notwithstanding, uh, part of why it doesn't bother me is because he, she actually has. I mean, yes, he has the the the, the granted authority, literally, in, in in terms of his position over her. But he is in in his Hugh Grant way, uh, befuddled around her, and uh, and he he is. Um, he has to rise to meet her as Mm opposed, he's not controlling Mm -hmm. her. He's not coercing her. He's Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. um, angling for her. He, he would like to be with her, but in much the same, but, but the, but the, the circumstances of the emotional construct of the relationship are as they would be in any kind of like high school setting where he, he has a girl that he's yeah. interested in and he can't quite figure out how to approach her. I mean, and that's part of the comedy of it, obviously, is time and again, he, you know, we, we reference like he's the most powerful man in Britain and he can't figure out how to talk to you know, uh, a girl who happens to be his, you know, um, someone who works for him. So. Mm. But that's why it hasn't really bothered yeah. me in any particular way.
2: Yeah, there's a couple things that I think the movie's trading on to make it. Because it didn't bother me this time. I think one of the reasons from a writing standpoint is because it is a very chaste affection.
4: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is
2: sort of constantly trying to figure out how to get to know her better, how yeah. to talk to her. And I also do like the fact that he like goes into his office, sees her and goes, oh, that's terribly inconvenient. Like mm-hmm. It is yeah. a great recognition of like, initial attraction from the yeah. jump unlike in the Colin Firth section where he doesn't we don't the first time we know that he finds her attractive is when she jumps, takes all her clothes off and jumps
0: in the water I also and, think Patrick our view of this right now is kind of shaped by the fact that we just did the Colin Firth storyline yes, so yes when I watched this clip again and was like writing my notes I was thinking about through the, the whole conversation we just had of like how did they fall in love in two weeks? And then one of them decided to go. They each went to go learn Portuguese and English really quick, but didn't really learn it well. And now they're engaged. What? Right. And this is a similar, a longer timeline than two weeks, but still within five weeks. That storyline also doesn't bother me. Full disclosure. <laughs> it didn't <laughs> bother it, me until I watched it in a silo. And then I was like, it, wait a second. That's
2: a, a, one reason it may not bother you though, is another reason I think that this movie relies on the fact that it's Hugh Grant. And it's Colin Firth. These are sure. people yeah. that we like. These oh, are absolutely. people that we are yes. predisposed to enjoy, absolutely. and we trust them. Yes. 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 yes, we want them to fall in love with the person who the movie set up, and we want right. them to we, be with them.
0: Deserving of it already, we're rooting for them no matter what because we know these people and we love them.
2: Yes. yes, and so it's a it's an excellent piece of casting that like these are people who we there's nothing you know it's not Willem Dafoe.
3: And gosh, who would be can
0: you imagine Willem Defoe in this movie? Willem
3: Defoe and John Malkovich.
0: <laughs> Love actually now gets a question mark after it.
2: <laughs> Written by Joe Esterhousie, directed by William Friedkin.
0: It is yeah, I mean David no. Caruso
2: as the American president. It is like, yes. It, <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to remember, figure out which one Malkovich would play. He'd play the writer, though, right? He'd play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's
4: yeah, the writer. Play yeah.
3: the writer. He's the writer. Yeah. Um, Defoe
4: has much more charisma.
3: Yeah. Malkovich is more haunted.
4: Uh, more wine, <laughs> darling.
3: <laughs> no, um,
1: as we create this terrifying we create. reality,
4: we need to drink more. Malkovich. Malkovich getting get ASMR of our wine pouring here on the mic. I,
2: I think before we get into what I think is the best part of the movie, which is his long walk down the, down the street, mm-hmm. um, I want to divert us into the more serious topic of this section of the movie. And it's also a big thing in this movie and in all Richard Curtis movies, we found out going back a little ways. And that is uh, fat shaming that happens in this movie quite a bit. Uh, specifically in this section and it's baffling in this section to me I still can't quite get it because this time I noticed that she broke up with her she didn't break up with her boyfriend because he said something nasty to her about her weight but it was the thing she brought out and
0: you live with your husband, uh, boyfriend three illegitimate but charming children
1: no I've um, I've just split up with my boyfriend actually so I'm back with my mum and dad for a while
2: ah Sorry.
1: No, it's fine. I'm well shot of him. He said I was getting fat. I beg your pardon? He said no one's gonna fancy a girl with thighs the size of big tree trunks. Not a nice guy, actually. In the end. Uh.
4: I, w- I have a lot of feelings about this as a woman who is not small. I, I am, well, I guess <laughs> in fat cultural terms, I am small fat, but I am fat. <laughs> No, it's true. It's a real thing.
2: That's a real thing?
4: It's a real thing because wow. small fat people tend to shame, tend to fat shame large fat people. Larger
2: people. Okay.
4: It's a real, like, I've been wow. really, like, working a lot on becoming very body positive and becoming very um, uh, more outspoken about about um, people of all sizes being accept- accepted. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, we all have this we all have so much internalized fat phobia that's Mm -hmm. a real real thing
1: Mm
4: -hmm. fat i don't find this movie fat shiny because for several reasons (laughs) one she is fat shamed but they acknowledge that it's fat shaming Mm. you know what i mean like they Mm -hmm. she breaks up with her boyfriend the the woman that's like thighs like big tree trunks like that one that Mm -hmm. is a fat shame moment but no one latches onto it he doesn't believe her he Mm -hmm. doesn't he doesn't subscribe to that she's still treated like a viable love interest for hugh freaking grant Mm -hmm. and that i think is actually um that that to me speaks volumes as far as visibility, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's not. She's not fat. She's probably a size six. You know what I mean. She's mm-hmm. just in comparison. But she is
2: for Hollywood. For like, Hollywood, she's yeah, Hollywood. She's fat. in the same movie as Cara Knightley for crying out loud. Exactly. He was a size negative seven. Uh, so, uh, but
4: I do think. Uh, to me, I wouldn't go so far as to call it body positive, mm-hmm. but i don't find it offensive at all mm-hmm. partially because they draw attention to it and they 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 don't they make a thing out of it while acknowledging it that the thing they're making out of it is negative mm. so i guess that's why it doesn't bother yeah. me
3: i would, yeah. i mean i i agree with all that and obviously tracy's perspective is more valuable than mine on this but like i i agree with that i and particularly because it's as as tracy said that it's every time it's brought up it's um it, it is she is defended or it is it is uh there's someone else to counter it um but i the only moment that does make me kind of even when i saw it the first time made me kind of go like what was is that moment where what is uh, I don't know the woman's name who works for him. I don't remember
2: her name either. I saw
3: her production. I saw her in a production of As You Like It at the RSC though. Oh, um, yeah. She played Rosalind. She was better than this. Anyway. Um, uh Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, yes, but um, but my point is that in that particular moment, she she throws out two jabs that just it just felt like I'm I, I'm, I wasn't uncomfortable so much as as like, I mean, maybe a little bit of the writing. It didn't feel, I didn't feel uncomfortable, like from the outside perspective of that's fat shaming as much as it was like, if I'm investing in the story in that moment and follow, you know, caring about the characters um, and empathizing, I'm like, was that necessary? Like for you to call out those specific, like you're you're, you're specifically labeling not once, but twice, like features of this other human being Mm -hmm. that like, it's not, it just—it felt mean.
4: I will say also, like the the one thing for me, and that you're you're right on that too. I didn't think it was necessary, but like the one thing for me is that when they do, this is speaking to what I spoke about before. Like when they do defend her or whatever, it's to say like, "No, she's not fat," as if fat is the bad thing, mm. right? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, oh, would 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 we call her chubby? Um. Mm. It, is like implying that chubby is, is wrong or bad. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think that was the intention necessarily. And I do think that's a product of where we were. The, this, the sort of idea of like radical self-love for like mm-hmm. body is brand new. Yeah. You know, that whole new thing.
0: I went digging to see if there were any interviews that she'd given about this perception of like the whole sequence and she gave a, an interview with Cosmo in 2017, Martine McCutcheon,
1: uh-huh. and
0: she says, um, uh, every woman thinks there's something wrong with them when in actual fact, as he was said in other films, they are perfect and lovely as they are. She was meant to be the embodiment of that. and I think sometimes people have missed that point.
4: Yeah, Although- I, I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah. And she goes on to say all the things she worried about and all the things that her boyfriend said she was because he wasn't with her anymore. That was the whole point. You're meant to go, no, she's not. I think she's lovely because that's how men think about a lot of women who constantly criticize each other and themselves. That was meant to be the message. I think somewhere along the way, people didn't get that but that's why I was happy to do it and play the part. So I I think like based on what she says in her conversations and understanding with Richard Curtis, and this is me giving Richard Curtis more credit than I will ever give him, I was
2: going to say, Beth, you're, you're venturing into unknown territory for yourself here.
0: I know. It seems like the intention was meant to do like to negate the idea at all that there is anything to comment on, that this person who is internalizing every comment she receives from her, her boyfriend, from her family, calling her plumpy, like all these things that like, they're not meant to be things you are allowed to comment on because they do not define yourself worth not that they're not meant to be commented on because they are a bad thing and mm-hmm. like uh, based on like this interview and other things she said it just seems to be like we as a society dig into that thing of like oh yes like fat equals bad skinny equals good and them calling her fat is wrong cuz she's not fat she's skinny so she's good and you get into this really toxic right. cycle like of mental yeah. thought of yeah. just where's like, them commenting on her body at all is not okay. Not yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, just like, it's such a moot point. Like, why do you even need to yeah. say like? Yeah,
2: because yeah. the movie seems to be saying, and I think it's because ultimately is a very male gazey movie, as like you would expect for a movie in sure. two thousand three. Um, is the fact that it seems like everyone else thinks she's fat except Hugh Grant because he thinks she's attractive. Like he loves her, so she's not fat. Like that's sort of the feeling of it, and that that wouldn't be my sense my read on it if it wasn't for the fact that her family nickname was plumpy,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: like i don't for a running joke it's not bad it's it's a, you know that like this keeps getting brought up, and he's like, What are you all talking about like it's not a terrible runner, but it just watching it in this in isolated it didn't bother me as much as it does when I watch the whole movie, and I think that's mm-hmm. because there's so much other you know attractive men looking at women being attracted to them and like it only for how they look and there's also a lot of like emma thompson's character complaining about how overweight she is compared to yeah. the uh, to the That's me and stuff. like it's a it's a it's a constant run in the movie that just like feels belabored whereas isolated yeah. in the story i i would like you can that generous read i think that that um that Martine McCutcheon gave it, I think, is valid in this segment. It's just in the movie as a whole, it gets kind of mm-hmm. lost yeah, in, in all that. the other things that are going
4: on. I can totally on. see that. Ironically, the 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 <laughs> asshole I stayed with for far too long was very fat shamey. So like oh. that's an interesting uh this movie made me huh.
2: see
4: it even longer. Um yeah no it's uh yeah the Emma Thompson thing but the thing is like these are things these are real feelings that women have my cousin i have a cousin who is gorgeous and regular size like total normative body Mm -hmm. and like her family's called her chubby for her whole life you know like this is something women go through like that's a really Mm -hmm. it's a it's a it's it's terrible Uh, you know uh, but i also i also keep coming back to and this is a broader conversation of that like we are looking at it through
0: the lens of now.
3: hmm
2: Yes, very
3: true.
0: Very much so. That is a yeah. lot of this movie too.
3: But what it's worth too, I want to go back, and this might have just been a passing like choice of words, but I but I do want to also touch on like that you had said, Patrick, that like um uh Hugh Grant is the only one that doesn't view her as fat because he finds her attractive and whatever. And mm-hmm. I think that like to it's, it's or he does and it's not a bad thing sure 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 <laughs> but I, but i mean that like the the choice of words of like uh attractive is i mean and she is beautiful obviously but to me like from the very first moment when he meets her what a what attracts him to her it, to me is her um is her honesty and her mm-hmm. and her lack of filter and her mm-hmm. and her, and her she is not like any of the other people he will encounter in his political stuffy life. And yeah. so the fact that he, and, uh, and that from that first exchange that they have, like, I think that's what he's uh, attracted to immediately mm-hmm. engagement of that. Because I think he probably encounters plenty of beautiful women all the time. So, and I just wanted to, to, to dig down into that a little bit deeper because well, I don't be, think it's just about like, she's hot, which she is, but you know, it's like- But it's,
2: it's a really that, good point also because like the first three people we meet, are you know, there's the, the butler, I think, the housekeeper, and then her, and like he tries to banter with each of them, mm-hmm. and they are very polite. The first two that's a right, very right. much like he tries to be because he's very like for a politician, and especially for someone who's prime minister, he's well, very vulgar and like well, he's very free. He says yeah. to
0: Terrence, is like, uh, Good morning, I had an uncle called Terence once. Hated him. I think he was a pervert, but I very much like the look of you. Huh. Can we go on a tangent for a minute? Totally, yes. Emma Thompson. How,
2: how sad Emma Thompson is in, the, in this is segment chance? specifically. Is
0: supposed to be her older Yeah, brother? I, yeah, that's not yes. happening. Yeah, no. It, yeah. And like, I don't know why well, that that, that plot that. point matters that we need to say that out loud because no one's believing
3: it. No, and like, there was no. It's like there's it, yes, as you said, it doesn't matter to the plot at all. It, mm-hmm. it affects nothing and it doesn't and it's not just about like and, it confuses and it's people. not just about like age in <laughs> terms of how they appear on screen That's it's like it's how they ages. carry themselves yeah. he, right. yeah. he he carries himself as a younger as as if not the youngest person of a, of of a lot of children like he's clearly mm-hmm. younger in terms of how in terms of how he engages in the world than she's older it's totally kind of- and you see emma
0: thompson carrying like this huge responsibility to not only like salvage some type of a marriage and keep her family safe. And then you see him kind of like flopping about like right, Huger. Exactly. And you're like, hmm, these don't match yeah, I've, the I've, I've standard have I've said it before
2: and I'll say it again. The scene where she runs into him backstage and like thanks him profusely for coming to this thing makes me so unbelievably sad.
1: Oh, David! Ah! Ah! Oh, how are you? <laughs> Hi,
2: guys. Hey, 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 hey. Mm. You all right? What the hell are you doing here? Well, no, I, mean, I always I, tell I... your
1: secretary, secretary, secretary that these things are going on, but it never occurred to me you'd actually turn
3: up.
2: Well, I thought it was about time I, I I'd I just didn't want anyone to see, so I'm going to hide myself somewhere and, and watch the show. Good luck. Good luck, Daisy. Good luck, Bernie. I
4: have to tell you, I've never been glad to see my stupid big brother. Thank you.
2: Cool. Because that's not why he's there, yeah.
4: totally
2: and targeted. and right. I I agree with him. Like his choice in that moment to be like, oh yeah, totally, I'm here for you. Because like, Absolutely. what else would you do? You don't totally be like, actually, no I, I followed I followed this girl here. Um, it, it, it it it's the right thing, but it's so like her when you know her plot line, you know how sad her life is that in that moment.
4: Line, this is heartbreaking to me.
2: Well, yeah, and it is like honestly one of the saddest points in the movie where she gives him that very long hug and he says, is everything okay? Like getting that, obviously it's not okay. And she does mm-hmm. the thing that her character does, which is swallow it down and like, right, you know, right, right. and soldier on, very British. Um, but yes, it breaks my, and it broke my heart, I think more <laughs> without the larger story around it, like seeing right. her and being like,
0: I think oh, all God. of these storylines, when you you really zero in on each of them, become worse more difficult to watch more like less convincing because when you have them in the larger scheme of things you've been thinking about like oh that character had that really cute encounter like 20 minutes ago and now we'll see how it's grown and you're not looking at the timeline you're not looking at um everything moving in such rapid pace so it hurts more to watch emma thompson's storyline all at once (laughs) oh i bet oh i bet it's not fun. We did we talked about that with Jenna Duncan and Rick Westercamp because yeah, we needed because we to be needed able two <laughs> very
2: light people to get we get need to be able to have humor. But let's hop back to the best part of this segment for me, and you guys can disagree if you think which is when he goes to the street to chase oh, it's her down.
0: So good.
4: It's so good.
2: That whole section of the might be my favorite part of the whole movie, honestly. Right. So good. Which is just right. him going door to door, a hundred houses he goes to. Um and like and knocking on the door one at
3: a time and saying
2: hello is Natalie. It's <laughs> Carol Singer. It. And I really like though. <laughs> I'm really impressed. This is really where Richard Curtis shines for me is in these moments of like the fact that he. I don't remember how many doors he knocks on, but the fact that he finds a new funny thing to happen three. is it three that, that we that, see. We see the old we lady. See. Right. We
0: see the little kids dancing, and we see Mia from i um, we see Mia the line from the, the other line. section.
2: That's right. Um. It is really just such a nice, funny little bit, especially the kids, obviously, with- And also, them. they're
0: like rocking out to good King Winston's Sloss, and they're like, yeah, yeah, party up, party down.
4: So good, and the chauffeur. That's Who's dude, the
3: chauffeur, you know, I was gonna say. That dude, that dude, first of all, the reveal of his voice. Is oh like yes, unreal. he's Perfect. got some solid pipes. And he sounds yeah. good. Here's my question.
1: And sure. I'll pose
3: it. I'll pose it. Uh, I'll pose it to the group, obviously. But like, but Pat, <laughs> as a filmmaker, yes. Ooh. Um, like, do would would you do you think? I mean, my guess is that they cast him knowing that was going to happen. But like, do you think that that's like a discovery they made later, or was that like, or was really? that like, we need a guy who can sing backup for this that's going to sound that's going to make this joke sell? So
2: here's what I think this time. I thought different things watching it, uh, mm-hmm. different ways, but. First of all, his voice is dubbed in very clearly. Oh, it is? Yes. I didn't notice that. So yeah, if you listen if you watch it with headphones on, it's very obvious that his voice is dubbed in. Oh, okay. In. So I'm not saying that's not that actor's voice. I'm just saying they whatever voice they sure, use. Sure, sure, dubbed sure. In. But if they dub it in, then like I imagine what the actor actually did was kind of lip sync. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wonder if they crafted that joke later because mm-hmm. Hugh Grant gives that great look but of take. like <laughs> looking yeah. back and being like oh my gosh, Like this guy can sing, like which is a great joke. So I don't know if it was written into the screenplay that that was the look or if they decided on the day or just Hugh Grant did that in the moment Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. was like, which is such a great joke because the expected joke there is for him not to be able to sing. Right. And
3: it's so great that he not only can sing, he can sing really, really well. It's a beautiful voice. It's also, Good King Wenceslas is a genius choice of carol. Yes. Yes. It's so British. It's it's the right, yeah, absolutely the right. carol. Mm Mm-hmm. And one also of the, the first one- like,
0: Christmas songs I had to play on the piano over and over again, and so mm-hmm. it's like burned in my memory. It's got
2: those scales. I- you need the yeah. I-
4: I spent a couple of years doing Christmas Carol at Ford's Theater, mm-hmm. the version that they did for like 15 years, which there was this huge Good King Wenceslas section. So that is very near and dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Carol so much because there was a whole segment that was basically like a montage of Scrooge doing shitty things
2: uh-huh.
4: um, framed by these Set to Good
3: King Wenceslas? or it's <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: Perfect. Nice montage. Like walking around kicking orphans. Nice montage,
0: and
2: stuff. yeah. Stage montage is tricky, um, but yes, I, it it it. Uh, I think that it, it's an impossible. We will never know. You know, obviously they know the answer, but yeah. It, it, since his voice is dubbed in, I don't know whether they decided on the day or they or that was written in the script. Right, or, right, right. Or they figured it out later. Um, but my guess is that unless they probably wouldn't cast the actor based on the fact that he could sing no matter what, because you're going to record it later no matter what, right, the right. sound wouldn't be able, right. wouldn't be easy to do. Um, and he also has a great look. I really like that body <laughs> star, his look. <laughs> yeah, he's a very, very good look. Um, and uh, I do love the bit of him. I mean, just the the, the general joke of it going up and down the, the thing, but then also the car ride at the end, literally being so short. Yeah. Going, oh, oh, wow, that really was just around the corner. Like, you
0: weren't even kidding. Also, why did they drive? <laughs>
3: Well, that's he has so a car. He has to drive. Like no, 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 no. I think she was saying why was this, why was the family planning to drive?
0: Like, why did the octopus need to get in the car? Well, if he's
3: traveling but in costume, you don't want to be he's walking traveling down in costume. us right, like a lot yeah. of legs. You like, uh,
0: say that that costume came out without any damage, though, based on the way that child gets out of the car. That's, that's
2: true. So it is so a serious good. octopus costume. I
3: also love how angry Hugh Grant. And having had kids now, I totally understand like how angry he gets as he's trying to climb over him. Where he's like, "What do you? Oh God, God." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like mad. It's not really the kid's fault. He's just trying to get out. Right. The kids can't control their body. And he's no. like probably right. he's elbowing him octopus. and kicking him. And an
2: it's so great. I just and love the also, whole.
4: Side note of the catch a falling star. And <laughs> in your pocket? For is my Ooh, that was favorite good.
3: Spider <laughs> Man, Spider Man is my favorite
2: character. Spider Man, Spider Man uh, of the of the Kings. Yes, is, right. is a pretty is a solid, I like those,
0: yeah. the whale with the fishbone. Whale's, <laughs>
2: yeah. whale's good too. Yeah, uh, whale's
0: good. What I dubbed as cow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark.
2: But uh-huh. you, you pointed out also, Beth, in the family shot, you you had in your notes that like Uncle
0: Tony. Oh, yeah, Uncle Tony. Um, Did you guys notice Uncle? Tony This is my mum
1: and my dad. I'm Uncle Tony. And my auntie
0: Lynn. And I looked it back again. And I think my initial instinct was wrong. But the person who she immediately points to for Uncle Tony looks like he belongs in an early two thousands band. Like he's the like person who nods.
3: Uncle Tony looks like he came from a Guy Richie film. He's
0: got like yes. spiky, like song. frosted tips, and he looks like he belongs in like O Town or like ninety eight degrees. I've like, seen
4: this movie like thirty times. How have I never known? Because why
0: that? are you I've watching Uncle Tony. Yeah, okay. at, at
3: Mar- Uncle Tony? You're looking at Uncle Tony also Michaels looks too. like her age, like Uncle Tony looks like a brother. I said, why
0: does he look like he's in an early 2000s band and is a child? Right. So, right. Uncle Tony has to be behind him, right? Well, that's the
2: thing is once you you pointed that out, because I noticed that this time too, there's a guy in the front who's like a teenager with spiky hair who smiles and nods when she says Uncle Tony. (laughs) And I thought that's weird, but like whatever, that's Uncle Tony, okay. (laughs) So then I went back and watched it again when you pointed it out. And there is a guy immediately behind him who is okay. like has white hair and a white beard, and like that's yeah. Uncle Tony. It's I think-, think the extras fault <laughs> for <laughs> not poor she- dude couldn't she- make it in the shot. Couldn't, yeah.
1: So, yeah, so
2: no,
0: this Tony. is my chance. I'm, I'm gonna make so it mad in. at that teenager.
2: It's so funny. He's his this this teenager, this kid has his face fully in front of Uncle Tony, and oh, he's like, I am in Tony. this movie. It's and like he was told, Don't stand me.
0: here and then, right. embe- and then like he immediately stood aware there and like scoops his Just way in there and they <laughs>
2: and didn't was... have
4: enough time or patience they, they probably, had
0: to uh, cut four hours worth of movies i know this movie was
2: done, four hours so when it started have... yeah wow they didn't
4: really well and do that's and that's that another that thing everything. i will like
2: but that's one of those filmmaking things that i can speak to from experience which is the fact that like that was the take probably where martin mccutcheon looked the best and that's right. what's yeah. important like it's not whether or not Uncle Tony got his face right. in. Like nobody gives a damn. We're here to look at more TV. And like you've seen this movie how many times, Tracy, and you
3: didn't notice. Like no, that noticed. is that is the right answer. I w- I would like to comment on th- on three quick moments before oh, sure. we start rating. Yeah, everyone knows, of course. The would we call her Chubby, which is one of the greatest line interpretations it's in so, the history of cinema. Who would we call her Chubby? However. I also don't want oh. to pass by um, wh- another great Hugh Grantism, which is um, when Billy Bob Thornton says, My "Goodness, it's a pretty little son of a bitch right there." Did you see those pipes?
0: Yeah, yeah, she's no, she's terrific. <laughs> That's a jomba. And yes. he just he sort of
3: he throws it at her job underneath. And it's a brilliant, brilliant line. Yeah, it is. That's it's number two. Good. And then also an extra credit moment for Hugh Grant is when Emma Thompson comments on the fact. Don't
1: watch out, he keeps his hands off you. 20 years ago, you'd have been just his time. I'll be very careful. Don't try something, sir, just because it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously.
3: Yeah. And his yeah. fake laugh is brilliant <laughs> so credit more more and more, credit, to more hugh grant. credit i also want to say one other thing about hugh grant here while we have a second like yeah. because i've grown to i've grown to appreciate him even more as i've gotten older and i watched of course they did you know they've done inside the actor studio for years but then they started doing this thing and i don't know if it was bravo creator or something else but i found it it was like it's sort so they of
4: interview each other where they interview
3: each other i don't know if you've seen it of late but mm. um but i saw one uh a a couple years ago and it was Colin Farrell and Hugh Grant interviewing each other and there, Hugh Grant said this thing that I now bring up to my own acting students and as a director I bring it up
2: When you're doing stuff which has it's either comedy or has a comedic element uh-huh. I find as an actor doing a take you can either lean on the reality foot or the comedy foot right. and sometimes ideally you're 50-50 Right, right, but right. I have said to directors on take three or four, it's like a bit more, a comedy more right, more, right, right, right. Because they are slightly two different instincts.
3: And it's such a, obviously it's like a cerebral outside directorial approach of looking at something but Mm -hmm. it is very helpful because there there are different rules and standards by which you live by as an actor depending on what the story calls for and so and if in a certain moment he's saying like is this more is my foot more on the comedy ground here or is it more on the serious ground here because i will respond differently Mm -hmm. depending on like how high you want the stakes to be in that particular circumstance but i just Mm -hmm. think it's a great way of like sort of Like, what do you want my thoughts to be? It's a great way of sort of like categorizing that.
2: So actually I want to ask Beth though, real fast, Beth of the four Richard Curtis movies we've seen for this, which is the best Hugh Grant performance for you?
0: Oh, for me, um, this one. Okay. Yeah.
2: I would agree with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This one.
4: Four Weddings, Notting Hill.
0: And Bridget Jones.
4: Oh, Bridget Jones is, is him too.
2: Yeah, he's uh, Bridget Jones is always the one I find most interesting because he's playing against type in a really interesting way, where he's like charmingly befuddled, but he's really a bad guy. Yeah, um, but and I love him in Four Weddings and a Funeral, but uh, but yeah, I think this is his best, uh, his best of those four performances. Yeah. So we like to. Which one should we do first, Beth? Do we do?
0: Oh, let's do Christmas.
2: Okay, so we like to score each segment of Love Actually on two different metrics. The first one is. Uh, How uh, much of a Christmas uh, classic this segment of the movie is. Um, Just this segment, not the whole movie. Just this segment, not the whole Mm -hmm. movie. And we have a nine point scale.
3: Why is Claymation Classics ranked (laughs) ahead of Sensible Christmas Film? (laughs) Our um, scale has been uh, the scale uh, has been roundly rejected by almost <laughs> I would everybody. We rank Elf and Home Alone above. We have yes, been told is we've well. been told that, yes. <laughs> not the also, Die Hard well. is a Die Hard is a Christmas movie. We can talk about that some other time. Okay. And that's why there's a question mark. I mean honestly, yeah. there's
4: not a lot of Christmas to this storyline at all.
3: No, there isn't. Um but I would say so I, but but there's enough I mean, but it's not. It's not like Netflix. It's better no. than that. So I would put it. I would put it under sensible Christmas, because there is there's Christmas but there's a Christmas to this storyline.
4: Well, Where's but the Christmas element? But that's my problem. That's my problem line.
3: with the with the with the the rubric here is that like there's no <laughs> that if you go lower than that you're talking about Netflix Christmas, Hallmark, Lifetime, horribly sexist, not like once you drop would, off sensible I Christmas. I would
4: put it at not Christmas.
3: I I. I
2: mean, really? really? Christmas
4: concert at the, oh, he sings good. King so West.
2: I'm gonna say, I'm gonna bring up two points before yeah. we get, just, just so you guys, just, just before you score this. So yes, it ends at a Christmas concert. All right. That's and my one had thing. Had and oh, then had two, had the reason he goes to get her is because she sends him a Christmas card.
0: And in the oh, Christmas card she says,
1: Dear sir, dear David, Merry Christmas and I hope you have a very happy new year. I'm very sorry about the thing that happened. It was a very odd moment, and I feel like a prize idiot. Particularly because, if you can't say it at Christmas, when can you, eh? I'm actually yours with love. You're Natalie.
2: Which I hate the fact that she uses "yours" twice. I mean, gang. Come I know. On.
1: My
4: issue here is that
1: number six
4: is sensible Christmas film, mm-hmm. and five is the example for five is the Christmas Prince. There is a
0: huge right. It's, there's a chasm lead- there.
4: It's you easy. can do
3: half points. You can, you can do half points. Like you a can five. And a half. All right, five and, yeah. I can go with five and a half. I'll You're going to go five, five and a half.
0: half?
2: Okay. Two five and a halves? All right. Beth, where are you landing? I'm Here. a six. I'm a I seven. Like- yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a seven myself. I think it's very Christmassy. Um, it, also because it's mainly about a guy wandering around a house, like a big empty house at, at the holidays. Um, and occasionally running into Bill Nye on TV. But, mm-hmm. uh, like, yeah. I, I mean, feels- I guess...
3: I- my, my, my pushback, my pushback to, I mean, my pushback to your ranking, Pat, your ranking is shit. No, my push <laughs> my pushback to that, Pat, is that like similar to It's a Wonderful Life, which I adore. And you put as a Thomas classic which it is. Mm-hmm. I, I, people will argue and they're not wrong is that it doesn't become a Christmas movie until the end. And that's not that's not dissimilar from this. I mean, yes, yes, all of the yes, the narrative and the like the themes certainly are have are are have elements of like, you know, um, like you know, of 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 Christmas related uh, elements to them, but the actual holiday doesn't come about till like the end of the film, and it's a wonderful life. And similar to this storyline, like you don't really until she writes him the card on Christmas, and then he sings Christmas carols, and then they have the Christmas concert. Mm-hmm. Their particular storyline is not Christmas centric until the end.
2: Yeah. Sure, but I will re- refute that and this will tie into my refutation of Die Hard as a Christmas movie is that one of the essences of a Christmas movie to me is that Christmas plays a vital po- uh part of the plot. It doesn't have to be the whole movie, but it has to be a big part of the plot in some way. And in both sure. this in this segment of the movie and in It's a Wonderful Life, it is. It does you're right, it doesn't come until the end, but it does kick the finale into high gear sure. in this one. Sure. Well, so Let me refute
3: you on Die Hard by saying that there is <laughs> no way John McClane ever would have been at the party were it not Christmas. Oh, that's interesting. Also, the the main the main <laughs> reason why I have for this, hold, we can get into Die Hard some other time, but the main reason why I have for all of this is the entire score is littered throughout, you taking Christmas, Christmas themes, themes throughout. Yeah. And if it's not a Christmas movie, they spend a lot of time trying to make you feel the Christmas spirit musically for no reason. <laughs> we also
2: like to rate these segments on how British they are. <laughs> that's a good that's a
0: good I'm segment. <laughs> not even a try. I'm not
2: saying you're, not saying you're wrong. There's a whole other podcast, though. Because <laughs> we also have to talk about how Lethal Weapon is a really good Christmas movie. And nobody ever mentions that. Um, but we like to rate these segments on how British they are. And we have another nine-point scale, which I'm excited to see you tear apart.
0: Yeah, go for
2: it. Because this one has a British seal of approval on it. So this I, feel, I, I do feel think weird. this is very
3: yeah. British,
0: but Much we also didn't get the British deal of approval until like two recordings ago. So, right, like, but I
3: got it. I got <laughs> it. I feel very. <laughs> Andrew, what we're doing laundry in his kitchen is that British?
0: Yeah. So the laundry. I, I is was in the kitchen. that one
3: was specifically complimented
2: by our British guest for how British the laundry. Yeah, laundry in the kitchen. the
0: prime
4: minister? I mean,
2: but does Lloyd Webber have his laundry in his kitchen? Does everybody no, have So, in the but no, everybody has their laundry in the kitchen. I have yeah, very,
4: very doing maths for her banoffee pie should be higher. <laughs> <laughs> but.
3: anything with maths in it, should. I yeah, say? maths is a good one. Um, and
4: banoffee pie, which yeah. I think is quite good. No, I think it's
3: very high. I feel like it's it's. Almost, I think it's, an it's, one of the, it's one of the Britishest. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I really. think it's like a nine. I think, yeah, we're talking about the prime minister, for God's sake. It's the state. Plus, we didn't really get into it. But like, as, as we said, the whole, I mean, he has, a, there's a whole, you know, segment of the film is him. Basically, they might as well start, you know, um, waving, you know, the Union Jack when mm-hmm. he starts talking about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the glory of Britain. Yeah, I'm going he to- literally lists the things that Britain, yes, is, great the Britain
2: is great for Britain is great for
3: nine. Yeah, nine.
2: Back. I'm a nine. I'm a nine as well. This is like the most British part this of the movie. This is the most British. It is absolutely the most British part Nine's of the movie. Nine all
0: around. It's
2: and not just but I like that it's the most British part not just because he's the prime minister cuz there's a way to do this where he's the prime minister and like that's it like it's just part of his right. job but there that's is a whole true. sense of national pride yeah. that mm-hmm. is in this in segment. America and we're his, having
0: awkward like beginning yeah. of relationships for no has well, feelings
2: as um as johnny howard pointed out to us from live from london that there is something very british about a lot of the love stories in this in the sense that the people are unable to express their feelings Mm -hmm. and that is definitely a huge part of this segment is hugh grant just trying to figure out how to to say what he's feeling and failing miserably and it's and it's absolutely hilarious
3: I, i also think that like for i mean obviously it's littered throughout with british actors but like i think there's like Hugh Grant, I think, is, is the Britishiest British actor for American audiences. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, he is the epitome of, of British to most people, I think, mm-hmm. when, when they experience what Hollywood Britain is, at least. So, um, so, yeah, him being the central figure of this story, I think, lends to that as well.
0: We're going to ask one more question. In the movie, Emma Thompson says, um, true love lasts a lifetime. So I want to know if this segment is an example of true love or not. I think yes.
3: I think this segment is yes.
0: Cool, me too.
3: <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that.
2: I I, I think that the that's the, the easiest
0: answer we've gotten. The, for the many. power
2: dynamics. Not we've done an excellent job of examining the power dynamic relationship in this in this episode, and I think that yes, it's a little bit gross that like that's the dynamic they have with each other, but it is genuine affection, like right. intel- intellectual affection it's for each not other, based on hours.
0: Arms and the, that and grows
2: over. I love like, that part. I love the fact that they don't kiss until way late into it. They have like mm-hmm. five conversations that are good conversations. Before when you they
0: quantify it like that, it doesn't seem like enough. But yes, <laughs> but well,
2: for a movie like this, that's way I mean... more than most of them get. Like that's way more than a lot of conversations. Yeah. A lot because, but it ties into the other best love story in this segment for me, which is John and Judy, the Martin Freeman and, and Martin uh, Freeman and yes. Stacey, where it is all conversation. I mean, there's obviously yeah. the hilarious like sexual overtone <laughs> oh, yeah. of what they're doing while
0: being stand but
2: they really always just love how easy it is to talk to each other, and I think that yeah. that is it's great that this movie finds time for those things in it, and then also has yeah. you know, a woman who literally doesn't understand what the man is saying and uh, and it's a whole thing, but anyway, yeah,
4: well, I think when she respect. attacks him at the airport like that's that's what's telling to me that
2: they yeah
4: it's so heartwarming, and
2: he says she's getting yeah. chunky but that's a whole he says that he does yeah you, yeah. oh, oh he's just teasing her
3: though.
4: he's joking
2: he's he's teasing her but yes that's what he he says I've never
4: heard you've I'm never heard,
2: heard that are you no? serious I've
4: never that yeah I don't like that
2: I may not always love you but long as there are stars above you you never need to doubt it I'll make you so sure
0: about it God only knows what I'd be without you. What is Love Actually was produced and edited by Patrick Flynn.
2: We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Love Actually Pod.
0: You can follow Patrick Flynn at Unknown Penguin. You
2: can follow Beth Amon at bethamen 13
0: Please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review.
2: If you'd like to support this podcast, you can find a link to our PayPal in the show notes. I'm Beth Amon. And I'm Patrick Flynn. And remember...
0: There was more than one lobster at the birth of Jesus.
2: God
1: only knows what i you. He knows why I'd be with her.